A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm your host. And with me this week is Joe Earthdawn Perez. How you doing, Joe? I'm going back to the 90s. Yeah. Seriously, um, we were having just doing the pre-show for the show. If you don't like listen to our pre-show, you might want to start coming around and, and doing it because we, we talk a lot about a lot of different things. Or- Mostly it's tabletop role-playing games because that's kind of a thing Joe and I both have. Someday we'll do the comic book discussion. We're going to at some point. It's going to happen. Yeah. But I mean, and if you can't make it here for the live show and you're listening to this recording, maybe consider donating to our Patreon so you can get a, a access to the unedited show, which includes the pre-show and post-show. Yes. Uh, although usually the post-show is like five minutes of us at most. And then one of us going, I have to pee. Uh, because you know, <laughs> an hour and a half We're old, it. folks. Yeah, we're old in an hour and a half of this. But regardless, uh, we're here to talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. And this week, actually, I thought one of the things we do, instead of really worrying too much about top stories, because we're kind of in a lull right now. We're nothing, yeah. you know, they, they've beaten the raid, like the, the the world first race is done. Pretty much just new stuff is coming out as it comes out. It's dribs and drabs. Uh, we talked this weekend on on the Lore Watch podcast about the the Covenant campaign storyline ending. That was something that happened last week. So now we're kind of just in a a holding pattern until we find out what's coming next. And it'll be, I think I expect, I expect us to go a month before we hear what the next thing is going to be. Probably. I would, I would say that that's probably a good estimate. The reason I expect it to be about a month is because BlizzCon online is at the end of February. Yes. And that's, so it's a good place for us to talk about what we think we're going to hear and see at BlizzCon online. Um, this is all speculation. Uh, we don't know anything. Uh, so don't, if you hear us say this has going to happen, don't, don't be, oh, God, they spoiled it for us because we don't know. We're just speculating. Yeah, we have no bloody idea. But uh, I'm going to start by turning to Joe and saying, what do you think they're going to talk about the most at BlizzCon Online this year? What do you think is going to be the, the main stuff that they cover? So I think what they're going to wind up talking about, first and foremost, is I think there's probably going to be something to talk about the accomplishments of, of what they were able to do with releasing games and content uh, throughout the state of this world. Uh, and I think that's something that they should take time to do, and I think that'll be part of probably their opening ceremonies, uh, thanking their employees, thanking the people that actually work on these games, and highlighting all the actual work they do. Because don't forget, like as we're sitting here playing Shadowlands, a lot of that work, a lot of that lead-up to the release in that final push, which is one of the most critical was being done when people couldn't work in offices, they couldn't work with their teams. They had to figure out other ways to get in touch with each other and, and stay on top of things. Um, so I think that they're going to take some time. I know, I hope they take some time to highlight all of the hard work that our employees did do that time. Uh, as far as the actual content of the games, I think a lot of it is going to be spent on Diablo. Uh, I think that with Diablo 4 and Diablo Immortal now starting to pick up steam in the news cycles just a little bit, and we've talked about it several weeks here, I think they're going to spend a good chunk of time highlighting Diablo 4, talking about what's coming, uh, talking about where they are in that process, and also talk a little bit about Diablo Immortal, uh, possibly 
even more than a little bit, depending on where they are with trying to to maybe get people to pick up a demo and play it at while they're home. Uh, I also think that would be a really good thing for them to try to do is make a demo available for a U.S. audience, get people, encourage people to actually play it and try it, because we talk about this all the time. People who have actually played that game enjoy it. It's fun. Uh so I think I think Diablo is going to probably be the bulk uh, of content because it's probably the most new, most fresh. Because we don't have StarCraft Two coming out or any more information about that. Heroes of the Storm is still in maintenance mode, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's still getting content, but it's it's much much slower uh, content. So there's probably not going to be a whole lot to be done with that. Hearthstone just got one of their recent or just got an expansion released. Uh, we might get news about another upcoming expansion or, or new modes for that, but even that's a game that's the cadence of updates has slowed down a bit. So I think it's going to be the Diablo show and then probably talking about where Shadowlands is going next. Yeah, I expect to hear about Overwatch 2, which we haven't heard much about since BlizzCon 2019. Yeah, we've we heard working on about that. Yeah, we, we know that they're working on it, uh, but we don't know exactly what the state of the game is right now. So that I expect to hear something about. Um, I also... We've heard like enough to know that there's two or three other projects happening at Blizzard that we don't know anything about. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of unnamed projects. Yeah, so I expect we'll possibly hear something about one or two of them if they're further along. Um, those are also, I mean, that's one of the things that you, you're kind of always forced to speculate on in terms of like what is actually happening, what's going to, to be the, the fate of this, what's going on with this. Uh, I definitely don't expect, let me put it this way, I don't, I don't expect to get too much more. I, I think there's going to be. Uh, the next Shadowlands patch is probably going to be featured at BlizzCon. Oh, yeah, it would, it would have uh, to be, I think, at this point, especially yeah. with the, what we talked about with the uh, Covenant campaigns coming to an end, us starting to get to the point where the raid's coming to a close. Uh, people are starting to actually leap the raid now, uh, if they haven't already. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think in terms of what we're going to see or hear about Shadowlands next patch, um, I'm going to go out there right now and speculate that we're going to get, either we're going to get a new five-man dungeon of the Karazhan slash Operation Mechagon type, mm-hmm. where it comes in as a hard mode slash uh, mega dungeon, where there's a there's a lot to do. A mythic Possibly, only dungeon type thing. Kind of, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it won't be mythic dungeon because they've always ended up releasing them to heroic later anyway. But but that kind of big dungeon where it's it's a it's based around like you know five five person play. I think that that's probably something that's going to happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I just, I generally feel like the next content patch has to have something that is is more content that we don't currently have. Like, I, I feel like it, they're not going to be able to get away with doing what they've done with some patches where it was just more of the same or here's a raid. I feel like they're probably going to have to do like they did in, in Battle for Azeroth with Mechagon and uh, Nazjatar where they they give us more stuff. I think that's probably going to be the next big patch. I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, I, I'm sorry, I told you something wrong, guys. But this is speculation. This is not... I, I don't have a, a, a note from anybody here. I'm just blue-skying. Um, I just... I don't know. I, I don't know if we're going to get a new raid or not. Uh, I kind of... I kind of hope we don't get a new raid right away. I kind of want them to focus on smaller content a little for in between. I, I like I like that cad- I, I like how it go. I like sorry, words are hard. I like the cadence of raid, smaller content, or smaller raid, and then another big raid. I really yeah, like smaller that. raid. I could see. Um, I don't. I don't. One of the things about previous expansions going back to Legion now is that they've had stuff roll out over time, and you've you've gotten the raids haven't dropped when the patch comes out. And that's something so, I think would be good for them to go into the future where they could put in a patch where halfway through it, we then get a small two or three boss raid. And then towards the next patch, just before it comes out or just after it comes out, you could then get the next major raid and so forth. And things, the cadence of delivery for, for content has been a lot better in Legion and Battle for Azeroth. I agree. Um, Warlords was so, not good, but they've, they've, they've done really well. On that cadence, the speed of, of content release, the, the dribs and drabs of it, how they make it work. So that's something to keep in mind on, too. So here, you're, you're trying to talk, so I'm going to shut up. And it, there, there are two things that come to mind, too, as well. And there's something that I've been screaming about since before uh, Shadowlands release is that when you go up to the Ring of Transference now and you look around, there are spots for more doors. Like if you look at it, there are, I believe, two or three empty spots. I, I wouldn't yeah, be something like that. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we get another door. I wouldn't be surprised if the way the story is going, it leads us into we need more help. Because think about think about where the story is with the game uh, just in general. And this is not going to get into any heavy lore discussion. But uh, And sorry for some slight spoilers, but you kind of already knew it was coming because he's the last boss of, of the current race. But you take down Denathrius. We have the, the cinematics that tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Jailer. Uh, and if you did any of the questing today, if you're caught up to date with your Torgas stuff and you did the Bolvar quests in Ouroboros, you kind of have an idea of what we're facing. And it's it's getting to be one of those things where they're starting to understand that it's scarier. But one of the things that Thrall says is we can't go rushing in. If we go rushing in, you know, with what we have, we are doomed to fail. So I could see a content release coming up that introduces maybe another land of the Shadowlands, maybe not necessarily another faction, but like we were talking about before with, uh, you're saying like Mechagon and Najatar and stuff like that. A zone like that would make sense in there. It would fit really, really well. And they could do a dungeon or or a mini raid or something as part way through that but maybe it's a new zone where we have to actually you know build up some some rep to get them onto our side to help us with what's going on or the other thought is maybe it's broker content and i've been kind of on uh, on this kick where i mean i'm not the only one i don't trust the brokers I mean, you're in an area right now in game for those of you that are watching the live stream of Maldraxxus, like you're near the theater of pain. They capture a whole bunch of stuff from other planes of existence and barter and sell it for entertainment purposes or whatever they're doing. Uh, but I would not be surprised if maybe we're sent to go deal with some more stuff with the brokers. Uh, and I'm saying that as, as you get to the version of Exalted with Venari and you do her her quests and, and I'll do some of that interactions, there's stuff that's sort of leading me that way that you might be going to either disrupt the cartels or deal with the cartels or find out more about the cartels, and that might be something that we wind up spending some time doing. As well. So I would not there's be surprised broker, if either of those. There's broker bosses in several dungeons. There, um, one in the, the other, other side, side and then one in Castle Nathria. There, there's one in Theater of Pain as well. Is there? Isn't no, there? no, not in Theater of Pain, no. I just remember there being one. Uh, no, there's the other side. There is Castle Nathria. I thought there was one more, but I'm not. Mm-mm. Not in, okay. not in dungeons. But there's there's that to deal with. There's the fact that the, the brokers themselves even say stuff. You know, very much the dropping a shady statement. You know, half when they think they're out of everybody's earshot point. So yeah, there's there's room there. I still want to see more with Thros. Oh, but absolutely, because that ain't done yet. Pretty much every Covenant campaign feels like it could be expanded upon in some way. Like the Kyrian one. I don't know. Like, you know, you kind of don't, they don't really have any leaders. The the bad guys don't have any leaders left at the end of the carrying campaign. Mild spoilers, but you know, that happens. But there's pretty big open, like stuff for both, both the uh, Necrolords and the, uh, the Night Fae. I feel like they have a lot left to deal yeah. with. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they announced maybe uh Covenant Campaign 2.0, right? Because. Oh well, yeah. They did that previously with Legion. With yeah, the, exactly. Uh, when they did the order hall stuff. So yeah, that, that's all possible. Um, basically, I think we, we've done as much speculating as we can, really. Um, the thing is, is we don't really know much. Um, if there's going to be a new game announcement, they have kept it magnificently under wraps. Uh, nobody's even talking I'm, about it. I'm so. gonna make an uh, I'm gonna make an out of left field prediction for one of the games being announced. I think we might get a new game, and I think it's going to be an RTS. Okay. So um, the only reason I'm saying that is no, that StarCraft Two is pretty much done. RTSs are starting to pick up in popularity yet again. Um, with third parties filling that gap, I would not be surprised to see Blizzard re-enter the RTS ring with a new idea. Okay, uh, I think the timing would be weird considering companies like Frost Giant exist now. But I get where you're going with that. Um, it makes a certain amount of sense. I honestly, I have no idea what what they're working on as in terms of other projects. Um, with Di- Diablo definitely taking on much more of an open world feel than previous versions of Diablo. Um, I feel like they're kind of making a, the Diablo games be the the open world sandbox art you know, role playing game that people have wanted from them for years. They're kind of doing it with Diablo, just in mm-hmm. a different direction. So I don't know what they're going to do, what those other projects are. I, I wouldn't be amazed if they released something roughly akin to Pokemon Go. It's, it's been long enough. We've been begging for it. <laughs> yeah, but at any rate, uh, we probably should move on and talk about some emails. We've got a few uh, emails and comments from. Uh, 
uh, from Discord this week. So if you have a question for the show, you can go to our Discord. Uh, we've got two channels. There's the podcast Q and, and, and uh, there's the patron podcast and Q questions channel that you can you can use, or you can go to our Q questions channel, which is not for patrons only. Uh, and we we took questions from both this week. And uh, if you'd rather email us, you can also do that. We got some emails this week, thankfully. Thank you, guys. It makes my life a lot easier when I go open up the email and there's actual questions there. Um, that's that's true. you can send that to uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch. And, uh, yeah, we will take what we can get. So thank you very much for asking about any game. Uh, most of these are pretty much wow. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of wow questions. But if you have questions about Diablo or Overwatch or anything, feel free to ask them. Uh, Joe usually reads them for us, so if you don't mind, Joe. Not in the slightest. Uh, so our first up, we're going to have a question from Corix. Question for either show. Well, we know who won that battle. Uh, some Venthyr NPCs say, it's been so long since I laid hands on a living mortal. Surely they only deal with the dead. When would a normal Venthyr have the chance to interact with a living mortal? Any thoughts on this? Many thanks, Korok. Well, we know that the uh, Naru led an assault force into Revendreth at one point. That's where all that blasted out stuff is from. Uh, they could have very well had some of their mortal followers with them. Uh, they might then, and we know that incursions from other realms of existence happen to the Shadowlands. That's why they have the the Necrolords, the Maldraxxi. The reason that they exist is because sometimes people invade the land of the dead. So there's ways it could have happened. Uh, also, for that matter, I wouldn't. I don't know of any time where the, the Venthyr have invaded the living world, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Um, that's one of those situations where just because evidence of absence is not, you know, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Uh, I don't know what the Venthyr do with their spare time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it seems like they'd be pretty busy, but may- maybe they do occasionally go on vacations to like the, the land of the living and do awful stuff. I, I got no idea. So but. I think, I think there's something to it where we were talking about this before. Remember how the Lich King basically made vampires, right? What if it's not the first time they've been in our plane? There's nothing that says that a Venthyr who has been reformed can't travel, like you said, right? We don't know that these races that we're interacting with can't leave in some capacity, maybe even for a limited amount of time. If we can, why can't they? Now, some of that might be a little little gray area, sure, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some of the game world stories about classic mythological creatures, because there are boogeymen, right? And yes, this is a fantasy world that has monsters of plenty to deal with, but there's always boogeymen. There's always, you know, fictitious folklore type things. And maybe in the WoW universe, it's based off of reality. Maybe it's based off of a Venthyr that slipped through one of those hungering beasts portals and wound up in a different plane. Um, there's nothing that says that they might not be able to transubstantiate it into reality. So maybe, maybe they've been there before. Also, maybe it goes the opposite direction. Very clearly, we can go there, right? We we wind up going through a rift in time and space essentially to get to the Shadowland. What if we're not the first? What if it's happened in the past previously where somebody's accidentally done that? Well, you'll notice too that that when you get to like Bastion, they're not, they don't freak out at your presence. It's unusual and you smell like Mm -hmm. the maw, but they're pretty quickly like, oh, it's a living mortal. Eh. Like if it never happened, you'd expect it to be a bigger deal. And I also think about like, stuff like, I would agree with you, but I was also thinking about like Outland and, and Draenor, our version of it, not the one that didn't blow up. Like if a massive amount of death can cause a terror or a weakening of the barrier, nothing says it couldn't have happened there too. That planet exploded. It, it, it blew up. What's Outland now is just bits and pieces of it. We don't know how many things died on that. Probably or, a lot. You know, or for that matter, might have gotten torn off and then... The, we, plus, I mean, we just talked about the brokers going forth and kidnapping things from other realms of existence and throwing them in the pits in Maldraxxus. Mm-hmm. Who's to say they're not also, like, they're they're willing to make pretty big trades for Anima. It's quite possible that some jaded Venthyr made a deal with a broker to, like, bring him someone alive yep. to torment. Or or I they mean, just wind up going through on a traveling salesman thing and, hi, get your live mortals here fresh from the Plyon Material plane and it'll only cost you ten buckets of Anima. Yeah, we, we don't really know what's been going on over the entire existence of the Shadowlands that we're just now visiting. So it's quite possible that these guys have had multiple encounters with living mortals. They recognize you pretty quickly. 
I mean, they, they were, oh, you're a living mortal. Like, I mean, like the ones saying it are just saying it in the world. They're not like specific ones I'm confronting. Um, they're just random, you know, random Venthyr guy saying this. So, you know, I mean, granted, they all seemed pretty aware of what Denathrius was doing too. So maybe they, maybe that that was the problem was he told everybody, oh, the living mortal's coming. It's a mall walker. Just go along with it. But I mean, they don't seem to, they're not on the back foot about any of this. So I'm willing to accept that they knew, they know what mortals are because they have in fact been seeing them. So, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about that, but I mean, yeah, I think it would be cool and maybe they'll do something with it. Maybe we'll get a little, a little something about that later on. <laughs> Uh, our next question comes from Sergio. Uh, don't know if I pronounce that right. Don't care. Uh, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast: Is there any way to save the anima items you get and not add them all at once? If I leave them in the bank, will they not get hoovered up in the Sanctum Reservoirs? I'd like to. I'd like to save some for next week's one thousand anima quest. Um, saving them does nothing. Yeah, it's it's acquiring them that triggers the quest. Yeah, you'll notice that you don't have to go turn them into your reservoir at all. You can collect a thousand anima that week, and the quest is completed, and you didn't don't didn't put any of them in the reservoir yet. And you can collect more anima that week, and nothing happens. Like once you get a thousand, that's it. It's just getting them that counts. The the trick, if you really want to do it, is if you have a quest once you hit the thousand that rewards anima you can bank it as long as it's not one that expires at the end of the week, like the weekly dungeon. But yeah. If, but you can wait to turn in like standalone quests, not world quests or timed quests uh, until the new week begins. Like my guild group just defeated Denathrius. And so one of the things you get from Denathrius is a quest item to go turn in that gives you a ton of anima. It's like 1250 anima or something like that. So we didn't turn it in yesterday. We turned it in today when the new week kicked over to immediately get that 1000 and get that run. So yeah, yeah, that, that's sort of the, the hackier way around. Yeah. But there's no, there's no point to like not putting stuff in the reservoir because you're trying to game the system because it won't count for anything. You, you got it already. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't, it won't work on the new, the next week. One thing you can do is, is you can start your mission table like you mm-hmm. can do like yeah, yeah. Say, say, say like Monday night you could do it you could queue up as many anima missions as you want and if they if they finish before you don't have to you don't have to take them until the new week rolls around and you have the new quest you can get a lead that way anything where it doesn't expire and you can turn it in after you've started the next week you can do but once you have the actual item in your bags that's all that matters uh, uh it doesn't you don't have to turn it in and as Zell, Zell the Canadian, our good friend in chat, is pointing out, uh, if your bags are full, anima items get sent to your mailbox. That will not count uh, for your earn 1K totals because it hasn't entered your inventory. So that's another... You, you just have zero bag space, and then you don't get that stuff into taking out. Yeah. So there's 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 ways to cheese it a little, but more or less, there's there's no big reason to worry about that. Agreed. All right. Uh, our next question comes from Suggle Kitten. Hello there, my good people. I am wondering your experience on having an alt skip the leveling. I did this on an undead warlock and was dumped into Maldraxxus. That's it. It's kind of flat. It looks like you can't do the covenant stuff until 60, so now I'm wandering around doing random quests. The once in a while calling is not much help either. Uh, so that sounds like Threads of Fate? Yeah. Yeah. I am not super keen on Threads of Fate right now. I, it wasn't what I expected it to be. It's not a bad thing. It's just not what I expected it to be, which I think is the problem. So, yeah, you get dumped into wherever you pick. So if you picked Maldraxxus as your covenant, you get shoved over there. Um, but the trick is you are supposed to aid those local areas. Now, you can go to Oribos and you get a quest that says choose and go do this and choose and go do this, choose and go do this. Or you can literally just go to the zones. If you notice, you'll have all the flight paths or a good chunk of flight paths uh, that lead from Oribos to all of the all of the different Shadowland realms. And when you get to that realm, or if you get into a dungeon from that realm, you'll get a progress bar that immediately starts tracking of helping that particular covenant. That's how you advance. That's how you level is going and doing world quests going and doing random quests that you find in the world, going and doing bonus areas, and then getting a big push at the end when you're done after you've completed and filled up that sort of uh, help this zone bar. Uh, and then you also get renown for completing that as well. It's it's to help you sort of catch up on the renown arc a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's what it's intended to do. Uh, and there's, I will say that I think that the lack of guidance is probably the weakest part of Threads of Fate right now, uh, especially because you can't flip back to the other one. But it, it essentially is just go do whatever you find on any of the zones and try Sally Forth and hit the sixty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things about Threads of Fate that I liked is how I used it. Um, the character that I'm currently playing on the stream, if you're looking at it, is my most advanced character. Uh, but it's not the first character I leveled. Uh, I leveled to 60 on a, on a different character, and then I started playing this character. And I played this character kind of side by side with my with my main at the time, mm-hmm. who I then switched switched to this one from. And the way I did it was I got to 60 on the first one, and this character was around level 57 or 58. And I used Threads of Fate to basically skip Revendreth. That's all. I just skipped Revendreth with it. And in fact, I was high enough level that by taking Threads of Fate, I actually got enough experience to level before I left Ouroboros. So I hit level 60 and was just, okay, I'm level 60. I've already picked my covenant. I don't have to go anywhere or do anything. That's something you can do with Threads of Fate that I enjoy because Mm -hmm. it means... Mm -hmm. It means not having to see all the zone stories that you've already seen a couple of times. The problem with Threads of Fate is just is mostly what, what Joe just said, that you there's no real guidance on how it works. So you spend a lot of time basically just kind of banging your head against, okay, am I supposed to go somewhere else? That nothing, nobody tells you, go you know, go do other things. So just hang out here in Maldraxxus. It's boring and ugly. Yeah. Um, and that I think that's a little bit of a problem that could be cleared. Like they could they could make it more clear without making you just kind of want, there could be somebody at your sanctum who told you go, go do other stuff, please. Um, the, the other interesting thing uh, that I think is, or I shouldn't say interesting, something of note with that, just to give you a warning is if you do go to another zone or if you do go to um, like a dungeon and you pick up the next zones thing, the quest to pick a, a zone like you're used to seeing in like Legion and, and uh, items like that will not be available in Orbos. You will already have it in your bag the or, or in your quest log. The difference is you don't get the quest from Orbos. It doesn't auto track. You'll have it. It won't auto track in your log. So you'll have to go in and turn it on. So you, that was a mistake I made. That was really, really weird because I was like, oh, this is bugged. I'm not getting any credit for doing the Revendreth stuff and trying to complete this and get through this at you know at 60 so I can go do the other stuff. Uh, but then somebody pointed out to me, he's like, no, did you do a dungeon and you, you picked up the Revendreth uh, Threads of Fate bar? And I'm like, well, it showed up when I was in a dungeon. Like, look at your quest log. And sure enough, it was there in like the campaign section. And I just had to track it so that I could figure out how far in I was. So just be aware that if you do pick it up from anything other than going and getting the quest uh, from uh, Ouroboros, it will be in your quest log. It just won't be automatically tracked. You have to try to see where you're Yeah, I generally, I, I still do like the idea of Threads of Fate. Um, I think they do need to do a little work to make it a bit use, more user-friendly than it currently is. Uh, but generally speaking, I like the idea that once you've leveled through once, you don't have to do it again if you don't want to. That being said, I think it's actually a bit more fun to just level like the old fashioned way. Just do it again. Partially because the first time you level through, like I'm going to, some people don't do this. Some people do. I tend to be, I tend to get really focused on leveling the mm-hmm. first time through. Cause you're trying to get to max level. I was trying to get to max level pretty quickly while also dealing with life and other stuff. So I was behind and I wasn't really, here's one example. There's a, there's a, uh, this is a daily quest. It's not a world quest. It's a daily quest to go kill one of the various elites that spawns in the theater of pain. You can do it every day. Uh, in order to get it unlocked, you have to have done the theater of pain side stuff in Maldraxxus, which is very easy not to do. Oh, you can miss that real easy. Yeah. Nobody tells you to do it. I got lucky and I did it just I did it at the time. I, I don't. I think I was trying to hoover up as much experience as possible without going to Revendreth, which I really didn't want to go to Revendreth again. <laughs> I, I, this is not a thing about Revendreth being bad. I had literally just done it like the day before. Like so, I was like, "Oh God, I don't want to do that again." I just did it. So I, I went. I went through and did the whole Theater of Pain side quest thing. You know, kill the three elites, and that unlocks these world quests. I mean, this this daily quest, and it's it's a it's a hundred and five anima a day. And you can do it every day. So you can make like 735 anima in the course of a week just doing this one world quest. I mean, this one daily quest every day. And it's it's not a world quest. So it's 
you always have to go take the quest, but it's every day. So that's a pretty big jump. That's a big pump of, of anima. It, it, it basically makes that much less stressful. But if you didn't do that quest, which is super easy to not do the quest chain, then it doesn't exist on the map. You can't get the quest. And it's like you have to go do the Theater of Pain side quests and then wait for your next reset before the quest starts showing up. That's weird. And there's nothing that tells you about it. And that's the kind of thing I feel like doing, like just leveling your character through. There's a lot of stuff out in the world. Shadowland has a lot of stuff. Maldraxxus has a lot of questing in it. And, and all the zones do. Um, I remember doing Bastion the first time and almost missing that whole bit in the center with the two Kyrian that, like, you know, robots are better. No, live yeah, cats are better. because uh, that's something yeah. you could easily miss. Yeah. So, to a degree, I feel like if in order for Threads of Fate to, to become a system that I would want to use all the way through, it would need to pick up on, on player, like, letting players know, okay, go do this. Here's, here's how this works. I almost feel like it kind of could have used a touch of what they did with like the older expansions. Um, the, the thing with Kiri, with, with not Kiri. Oh, I can't remember her name now. The breadcrumbs Chromie. between hubs. Chromie. Yeah. Chromie actually does a really good job of getting you into the, like, okay, we're going to scale everything. It's just, it feels like some of that needed to be put in. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm not opposed to a system in which like exploration is, is prized, but I feel like in a game like this, because you can miss so much like Maldraxxus is a really really good example of it there was a point where I was doing one of my covenant uh callings and it was to you know do three world quests in Maldraxxus and one of the quests is running around and lighting the champions brazier uh, or brazier um and I found a whole ton of quest hubs just doing that circuit that I didn't know existed that when I was leveling, I just completely missed. Like it was just, it was weird. And it was so close to the center of the biggest part of the map. And I just never saw that. So like little tiny breadcrumbs, even as an NPC saying, Hey, go over here. I hear there's people looking for help would probably not be a bad thing. And I don't, and I don't mind like having to explore to find things, but I think there might be too much of that. This expansion. It's it's interesting because it does kind of remind me. I I I play a lot of of games that have a have an option to turn on guided mode or exploration mm-hmm. mode, and I tend to play those games exploration mode. But I think with an MMO, sometimes if progression is tied to it, you kind of need to have a little more help. And they've, they it depends. There's some really good tutorial stuff in in Wow this expansion. Um, Exiles Re- Re- Reach is amazing. Um, but I'm, I can't help but be sidetracked by the fact that I'm imagining some some Maldraxxi champion going to her room and going, that that shaman burned my bra again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that every single time with that word. I don't know why my brain just does that. I apologize. You're not the only one. This guy in my rated is the same thing. I actually had to train myself to not do it. But I'm anyway, fully working on that. We should probably move on to the next email because yeah. I feel like we talked about this for a while. <laughs> Uh, dear watchers, why do you think your mount changes when you fly to Oribos? For example, you could be riding a bat and then it changes into a mana worm thing. I think it's an animal worm, but close enough. Uh, as you enter the in-between. Thanks for the insight, uh, Medjai, a night elf demon hunter. I don't know if I have any insight for you. Um, I, cause I've, I've done, I've done that a hundred times and every time I'm like, why did that happen? You know, it doesn't happen the inverse way. You fly from Oribos to say Bastion. Uh-huh. It stays a an anima worm the whole way through. Yeah. It doesn't change. But when you fly from Bastion, you're like, hey, I'm flying on one of those Larian Lion things. Oh, nope, it's a mono worm now. And it stays a mono worm like when you leave like say you're flying from from Bastion to Revendreth. You fly up till you hit the point where you're going to the in-between. It turns into an animal worm, and then it stays an animal worm. It doesn't turn back into something it's not it doesn't change into like a bat in Revendreth. It stays a, a, an animal worm the whole way through. I, I don't know. Like, do I? Am, am, I don't know if the, it doesn't bother me. I just find myself like I'm fascinated with the idea that like there's a handoff. Like I imagine like literally there's an animal worm waiting there, and I get to a certain point, and I have to jump off and onto the animal worm, and then boom into the in between because you know normal creatures don't travel into the in between. Like the idea that the Larian's like I'm not doing that. That's crazy. You you get on that man that animal worm. I don't know if that's what it is. There's nothing in game that explains what it is. I'd like to imagine that that's what it is, like it's a relay thing, but I have no nothing to back me up. It's just a fun little thing in my head to explain why I'm suddenly on a completely different mount. The, but it is something I've noticed. The reason it bothers me is because it's asymmetrical. 
Uh, so like you can travel uh, from one zone to another zone. Like we see uh, Sylvan do it. We see Venthyr do it. We see uh, folks from Aldraxxus do it and they keep their form. That doesn't change. Like that form is their body. They're transformed into that's it. I, I, it bothers me though, that like these creatures, which we are told are constructs of anima, no matter what covenant you're part of, which, you know, the bats, the, the, the lion guys, uh, larians, all of that stuff, they're constructs of anima. I can accept that when you get to the in-between that they change from whatever they were to uh, a sort of transient state of an animal worm. What bothers me is when you get to the next zone that it doesn't change into whatever creature it would be in that zone. And I don't know why beyond the fact that it's just an as- it's an asymmetrical transformation. <laughs> it, like That's the part that bothers me, and I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if there's ever going to be an in-game explanation for it. Or if it's just the way the system works, or if you are leaping midair or mid in between, like like Matt's saying, where from one creature to the other, and the other one turns around and says, "Yep, I'm good." Well, uh, it's like for, for that matter. Um, this is not related to that, but it's something I think about when you go to the maw and you try to mount up. It says your mount does not respond, or something like that. Yeah. And my wife was pointing out, I'm trying to call up a motorcycle. <laughs> my motorcycle refuses to hear my call. It's a motorcycle. My motorcycle's having a conscience of grace. I think I'm not going to there. That's the literal Listen, hell. It, I watch. I'm Night, a motor- I watch Night Rider. That can happen. Motors, there weren't any motorcycles on Night Rider. No, but um, sentient vehicles. That's a thing. Actually, was there a sentient motorcycle in Night Rider? I don't think there was a motorcycle, but there was a second I, car for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, there were multiple, you know, talking cars. Regardless, <laughs> I I have a mount that's a flying disc that's called a cloud. Yeah. I can't call my disc cloud because it's like, what? The, the cloud has a problem with this? It's a cloud. So, yeah, there's some stuff is just never going to be explained and it's just never going to really make sense. And I'm okay with that. I don't really expect it to. The 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 animal worm thing, though, I have noticed a hundred times. Like every time I fly. Every time. Yeah, every time I go anywhere from anywhere to another zone, I know that once I hit the part where I'm heading to Oribos, it's going to turn into an animal worm, and then it's going to stay an animal worm. It doesn't turn into a bat when you hit Revendreth. I can see why that would bug you. I, I, I understand that you know it is asymmetrical. Why doesn't it turn into something? Because it would make sense if it was just always an animal worm that just took on a form that made sense in the zone it was in. Yeah. So it became a, a Lyrian or whatever. Or it would make sense... If you're doing the trade-off thing that you fly Illyrian up to like the portal that takes you to Orbos, there's an animal worm waiting for you there. You switch over. When you get to Revendreth, you jump off the animal worm and into like onto whatever the next mount is. That would make sense too. Neither of those things happen. I, just... I, I think this is just a trick of the brokers. This is very clearly their fault. One hundred percent. They're they're doing it. Yep. I'm they're they're my scapegoat. This experience. Don't like the way something works. Brokers. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Our next one. A question for my heroes who speak to me from the radio. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it is time after all these many years, I have to make space in my home and no amount of rationalization works to justify keeping all the old original game boxes and CDs and a couple collector's editions and Brady guidebook. And yeah, my wife is barely letting me keep my Chen storm stout figure. I'm not looking to make any money off this stuff, but is there a market for it? The books are very used, but the CDs were maybe twice-ish. Would these make someone happy? Do people still like this stuff? What stuff is liked, and what can I just toss give to Goodwill? And this is from either Tyrese or Thyrese, uh, the seafaring druid on the uh, Torellian realm, still trying to get to max level. Hard to do if you can't uh, if you can only play zero to two hours. Um. I don't know, like, you know, your situation. Uh, I know that there's sites like Kijiji or Old Bloody Hack. What's the one where they kept having horror stories of people, like, you know, like, you know, having their stuff. I can't remember the name of it. It's not Kijiji, but it's, I can't remember. Oh, my God. Joe, please. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sites where you would basically say, hey, I have an X. Do you want it? Does anybody want my bike, my exercise bike? There's the Let It Go and craigslist craigslist uh yeah let, Kijiji, it, let it go stuff like that yeah there's there's some there's basically you i think you would be surprised um i i say this is a guy who has collector's editions up to like i think um mr pandaria actually i have the legion one too um 
I stopped getting them after Legion because I kept buying the the collectors, the yeah. digitals, you know. So, but the ones I have were given to me by someone, like, mm-hmm. and he'd already used them, he'd already gotten the pet off of them. But I, I mean, I wanted the art book and the devious. So yeah, there's people who want those things. I'm, I know because I'm one of them. I think if you went on Kijiji or or Craigslist or whatever and said, "Hey, uh, to a good home, all this all this wow stuff," you would get inundated with offers. I, there are people who would absolutely jump on them. I mean, you have to make it clear you're not going to get the pet because I already used that. Uh, but you know, the, the the special book, this, that, and the other thing, uh, the mouse mouse pads. People will will take them. Uh, you probably won't get like a lot of money off for them, but people will absolutely be like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that you could you could advertise and that people would would want them. Yeah, and and I will definitely agree with that. I I am a horrible 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 collector of so many things uh and that just means i collect too many things and don't have enough space for them and but drowning and stuff i sometimes i am but i like the art books i like the collector's editions and things like that i haven't bought them since i think yeah before warlords after when warlords released i never got the the special edition and i just didn't but thanks to and i'll give him a shout out here matt lowe I was really looking for this, the art book for Shadowlands, because I didn't buy a collector's edition because I'm going to put it, but I have bookshelves. Um, and not only did Matt get me the Shadowlands art book, he got me all of the art books that I was missing, so that I literally all of the art, all of the versions of the game that have released, which makes me incredibly. Um, but there is a market for it. Like I, I know people that have sold their old collector's editions with the soundtracks in them still, even though the soundtracks are available on Spotify. Uh, that have the mouse pads in them. Uh, that have the art books in them. Sometimes people just want the box. There's a market for just the boxes themselves too. Um, especially now that we live in a world of streamers uh, and people that do stuff on Twitch. And one of the things that every book or every lesson or every Skillshare class you take tells you is have an interesting background. And if you're into WoW, that's one of the things that is really easy to put on the back behind you and have those collector's edition boxes because they are distinct. Uh, So there is a market for them. So if you are looking to get rid of them, um, you could probably turn those into either part and parcel, like a whole thing where you sell like this collector's edition, all all contents redeemed uh, and make some money off of it. Or you could probably parse out the individual components of it, including the box itself uh, on sites like eBay and and other places. Like there is absolutely a market for collectors. When we're into collecting something, we wind up picking up things that we, even if we're not super gun ho about, it's like, yeah, but it matches my set, so I kind of need it too. So you you can definitely make some some cash off of, um, or you know, find somebody. Even if you don't, yeah, even if you don't want to make money off of it, you're seriously just trying to get rid of it. You can find somebody. Uh, someone like you, you probably say, hey, free to a good home. Boom! Someone will show up and take it. Absolutely, there's no question in my mind that there's somebody out there who would take it. Yep. As a, as a guy who basically one day someone's just said, Hey, I've been following you on this site for a long time. Do you want all these collector's items? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. And, and he gave them to me. Um, actually it was, I remember going, I met him at the, up the local mall. The local mall is the West Edmonton mall, which is the largest mall in North America. And I met him there and he had them in bags and I had to walk them home. Because they would like, I mean, they were too much to carry on to the bus. By the time I got home, my arms hurt because he literally gave me, like, he gave me all the StarCraft II collector's editions, all of them, for all of the different versions of that game. Um, he gave me Diablo 3 and Diablo 3 uh, expansion collector's editions on that. And he gave me every World of Warcraft collector's edition up to Legion. So, yeah. There's people who will take it. I, I, again, I am one of those people. Um, and I already had some of them. Like I already had the burning crusade one. I already had the, uh, the wrath one. So I was doubling up in some cases, but I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I'll take them, bring them on over. He gave me the Warcraft three collector's edition. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which has the art book, which is like, the art book is on my shelves. That's how much I wanted that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's absolutely somebody out there for these things for you. If you just want to give them away, people will come. If you want to sell them, I positively guarantee you someone will buy them. Oh, yeah. They may not make it. They may not sell for a ton. Like if you've, you know, if all the collectible stuff has been taken out and it's just stuff like the art books and so forth, they probably won't go for a ton of money, but someone will give you something. Absolutely. 
Not a problem. Yep. So I think we're going to move on next to, uh, well, it looks like we have a duo of questions coming from Vertigree, our good friend there. Uh, first up, hello, watchers. Can you explain the overall goal Arthas had when he was the Lich King? Was it preparation for the Legion? Was it trying to wrestle control and hold back the Scourge? Was it just mass domination of life? I didn't play Wrath, and I'm just trying to figure out the mindset and motivation of Arthas after he put on the helm to when he gets defeated. Uh, well, keep, keeping in mind that we're learning stuff about that right now, well, we're learning stuff we didn't know. This past week, like, if you, again, do catch up and do this week's quest for Bolvar. You get some insight, but I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, that's fine. Um, but keeping in mind that that's there and we still could learn more in the future. Um, I don't know how to put this. Arthas wasn't a simple person and he didn't have just one overarching motivation for everything he did. Um, clearly one of the things Arthas wanted was to prove that he was right. And you see that like his whole young heroes, I was once like you, everything he does is ultimately trying to lead a select force of heroes up to ice crown so that he can turn them into his strike force. He's decided the scourge by itself, isn't going to cut it. Like they're, they're just too many mindless forces. I need more guys like an who can think I need like heroes that can be like the champions of the scourge who can go forth and, and be like I was, he wants his own him. Remember Nurzul had him. Nurzul had, when he was the Lich King had an Arthas to go out and execute his will. And it worked really well. They did everything Nurzul wanted them to do because he had an Arthas out there being the hero leading the scourge. He wants that. He wants a bunch of people to do that for him. Why is he doing it? It's clear that he does believe that it's the only way to defeat the Legion. He, he even says as much. If you if you read the Chronicle books, it's one of the things Arthas holds forth is that it's the only way to beat the Legion. But it's also pretty clear now that he also knows that after the Legion, there's still there's, more threats. Yeah, there's something coming. He, clearly, he was spending his time thinking about how to get around the jailer because the jailer even says, and I, I, I there's some spoilery stuff here, but I think at this point it's, it's been a couple weeks. The jailer says as much, he says that every Lich King has been a failure, that none of them did what he wanted. Um, and there's, so I think that Arthas's motivations are a little hard to, for me to parse out for you. There's, there's, there's multiple of them. Yeah. So I think, I think part of it is that we don't really know what was going on in Arthas's mind quite and I think part of that is is going to come to light. And I, at least I hope it does. Like, I've heard a lot of people say they don't want another Arthur story. They don't want more Arthur story. They don't want more Arthur story. I disagree with that. I think it's the right time to have some closure to it. Like, we killed Arthas as the Lich King. We don't know anything that happened to him in between. We know that we kind of what he was doing in Ice Crown. We don't know his motivations. We don't know what he saw. But now we know that, like where the helm came from, where Frostmourne came from. We know who they were tied to. We know that the Lich King was intended for something that wasn't with Arthas. We don't know what he saw. We don't know what he was preparing. Uh, we don't know the importance of that. This could also, and this is going to sound like completely, you know, out of left field maybe, but this could also be part of the reason why he raised Sylvanas like he did is not because he wanted a mindless servant like we're talking about, She's a ma she was a, a ranger general. She was she would have held him at bay had it not been for betrayal. That's the kind of person you want working for you in some capacity, whether it's willing or unwilling. That person's brilliant. You want to use them. So like he was doing things that that weren't just domination, that weren't just for the sake of of having like this plague of undeath that he could just unleash. But we don't know the full extent of and I really would love to spend some time getting to understand what he saw in comparison to what Bolvar saw. Because Bolvar has been pretty vocal about it, this expansion so far, of what he saw, why he was doing some of the things he was doing. Is that why Arthas was doing the things he was doing at one point when he put on the helm? When did it all start? Like, when did he start churning things over? Um, but yeah, I, I think there's more to it than we know. I think there's deeper layers there that have yet to be discovered. Uh, anything you want to add to that before we move on to uh, Verd's second question? No, I think I covered it. All right. Uh, this one has the subject of why is tanking? Uh, <laughs> oh, Blizzard Wasters. Isn't it weird that tanks are all liars? Pretending to be threatening while usually doing almost no damage? I guess it seems hilarious to me that no matter if you are a magic player druid, a tactical warrior, or a righteous paladin, your most important job is deception and manipulation. I guess I can see it with the whole bravado facade Torellian had in Stormguard. It did make me want to punch him. What's your opinion? Vertigree. Uh, 
quite frankly, the horde deserved every second of Charlie and telling you you what jerks you are. You just straight up suck it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even gonna play. You know, you, you guys burn my damn hometown down. Uh, straight up, don't like you. But uh, you know, now that I'm not being my character, uh, being Matt, the guy who plays World of Warcraft, uh, I think that I've always thought it was kind of funny. I've tanked for a long time. I haven't tanked much of this expansion, but every expansion previously I've tanked. Uh, one of the things that's kind of funny about it is you think about it is that there's an ability called taunt. Mm-hmm. I can use taunt on things that I don't speak their language. Like no matter like what they are, I can taunt them. Does does like becoming a, like a tank? Do they give you a book of dirty phrases and gestures in any language? <laughs> it's like you know what did that human just say to you? Something about my mom? I don't I don't understand. I was like hatched from an egg. Why? I, but I'm angry. That, that that angered me that that thing that the human said in Broken Dragon. <laughs> I don't I don't know how it works. Um, it's kind of like misdirect, which is one of those abilities. Misdirect or tricks of the trade or whatever. It's always been one of those abilities. That I think about a hunter shoots an arrow into a guy and then wasn't like, me. Goes, Can, I, John, I can't believe you shot him. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that in in World of Warcraft, especially with tanking. It is kind of odd that tanks do, um, although. Tank damage has really fluctuated over the years. There was a point in time where tanks were doing more damage than some DPS classes. It, it can they can still kind of be doing more damage than like a you know a reasonably well geared tank can still do more damage than some of the DPS. I mean it it, it does depend on the situation, but the the damage isn't as low as it used to be. Um, but in general, yeah, the tank isn't there to, to deal out damage. The tank is there basically to take hits. Um, why that exists, why we have that should, you know, not every game has a thing like tanking, but most MMOs do that I can think of. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've always kind of wondered why we have like the Diablo immortal is fascinating to me because I don't think they're really going to have tanks and I'm not sure how they're going to combat system is going to work. If it's just going to be like Diablo where everybody just hits things all the time. I don't know. Um, but in terms of World of Warcraft, yeah, tanking has always been there, and it always has been kind of weird if you stop and think about it. Not just for the whole, you know, idea of you know, hit me, I'm the danger, but I'm clearly not actually the danger. If the if the boss has a DPS meter, luckily he doesn't. Um, luckily he can't stop and look and go, hey, wait a minute. The entire threat mechanic is just papering over the fact that this guy is the least dangerous to me, and I should be killing the healer. Um, that's you know, that's one of the things that Joe and I talk about tabletop all the time. You have to actually, as a as a dungeon master, you have to like not allow yourself to just go kill the cleric immediately. Yeah, like you know, yeah, it would make sense, but you don't know off the front of the bat that that guy's the healer until you see him cast a healing spell. Plus, in D anD D, there's not really that level of healing. You don't see like WoW in particular. You take a ton of damage, and like multiple people are sitting there keeping you up through it. Uh, and, and there's a lots of area effect damage going out. The entire tanking healing DPS paradigm is fascinating and weird. And I don't, I, I think the, the reason it exists goes back to the earliest computer role-playing games because they, they had a different, they, they had a different mechanic for deciding who's taking damage and why they're taking it because they don't have an, a live DM to sit there and make decisions for the boss. They had mm-hmm. to have a system. They had to have a method by which you could tell what it was doing. And that's where threat mechanics come from. And that's, it's old now. I mean, this is going back to like the late 1990s. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to shut up and let Joe talk from a healer perspective. But yeah, basically I would argue that, yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, it is weird, but I like to call tanks shout wizards. Uh, basically because uh, to me, it's sort of like this wordless challenge. And it's always been like a cinematic thing in my brain. Uh, where, like, yeah, you're the tank, but that just means that you are portraying yourself as the biggest threat to whatever's in front of you. Uh, and so, like, whether that's puffing your chest out or, you know, clanging your weapon on the ground or making this loud noise or making yourself seem bigger, there are wordless ways uh, to threaten something into making or to perceiving you as the largest threat to its existence. It is funny that tanks are not meant to be a damage dealing class uh, in a lot of games, but I think Matt's absolutely right. They can, in a lot of cases, deal a metric ton of damage. It's not something to be. Uh... I still miss. I still miss vengeance. I know you. <laughs> uh, you guys near the end of Cataclysm. Uh, I, I was doing so much damage on some fights. Uh, the Spine of Deathwing will always forever be in my head as 
as the the heyday of me just jumping around, thunderclapping constantly, getting bleeds on everything. I'm pretty and confident just, you and I could have just duoed that fight at level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just don't let me die, and I will keep annoying these things. Yeah. But I, I remember the first time I did that fight, and I, I don't mean to sidetrack you. No, no, you're me. fine. Sidetrack. When I first did that fight, the first time, it was basically me and like a there was a, a priest, a disciplined priest who was my healer. And between my heroic leaps and their leap of faiths, just pulling me away from the mobs constantly. And the mobs would just all like come swarming after me and then I'd be over there. And it was just like the Keystone Cops, these things constantly falling around. This shouldn't work. But I mean, they were mindless oozes. It's not like they can think. They're just oozes. So it's fine. But it does kind of get weird when a super genius, you know, masterful intellect like the Lich King spends all of this time hitting you in the face while literally everybody around him is setting him on fire, throwing arrows into his chest. And he's focusing on you. I, I have to feel like he's annoyed with you. Like, there just has to be like, why won't you die? Because I have six people keeping me from dying. Please don't pay attention. Yeah, it, it is. It is a strange thing. But it, I think to a degree, it's one of those things that, you know, you have to think about it like. Yeah, it's a game convention, but also it's not like, you know, your healers wear a sign around their head saying, I'm healing him. And everybody's doing magic at once. It's not like you can specifically go, okay, that guy's casting a healing spell on him. Yeah, it's obvious to us, but it doesn't necessarily obvious in the game world. I mean, don't forget, like in game world, like uh, my character is a tiny fox person who wears a dress. I'm a healer. The person who stands next to me is a troll mage who also wears a dress and he's casting fireballs. You can't yeah. just look and determine what something is. <laughs> You're not wearing a sign around your head that says gank me first. Um, you know. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is an odd thing. And it's, it's, it's funny. We bring that up because it's something that I've been, I, I think about a lot in game design aspects is, is there a world in which an MMO can exist without the traditional trilogy of classes at this point? And, it, the tanking is probably the hardest thing to sort of decouple. I think uh, certain games like Destiny handle it better, um, even though they do technically have tanking classes, uh, but it's all interposition, right? It's it's a different type of game. Uh, but it's it's fascinating to think about, and Matt's right that this is such a an ancient thing from old school RPGs and, and video games that is just sort of carried through. And it's weird. We were talking about fourth edition D&D and, and we don't really have time for this discussion, but one of the things it did was it tried to bring tanking into D&D. It did. And I think it, it worked, but I think for a lot of players, that was the the point where they were like, no, I don't like this. It's because D&D didn't have that. For all that people think of D&D as the big daddy that sparked it all, you, there's no tanks in D&D. Like there's no, my class is going to sit here and make you hit me. Yeah, and healers um, healers are a support class, but it's not their primary function. Like clerics, clerics and druids. Like I was just talking with somebody, uh, like what class they should play. Uh, they didn't realize that druids were not just healers, but like went through the, the list. Like druids can throw lightning and cast ice storms and uh, typh like typhon waves and and oof. yeah. I there's a there's a druid spell that literally just throws a giant wave that can kill an elemental in seconds, especially a fire element. And I didn't even realize it. And my wife was playing D and D with me. She was like playing the, the druid character and she realized it and just wiped out an entire area of fire mm -hmm. elementals. I thought were going to be a big challenge. She took them out in like one go. I'm like, okay, that's over, <laughs> you know? So yeah, classes in D and D aren't the same and it, it is interesting to see it. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're getting kind of late here. So yeah, I think it's, I think that's all we have time for. And we did all of our questions. So thank you everybody who sent those in. Uh, Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Again, guys, if you have a question for the show, you can either use our Discord. There's the Patreon Q and Podcast channel and the Q Questions channel, both of which we look at for questions. And you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us every week as we do this here podcast that we love. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we will be back next week. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.